as the Marching Hunter presents Indiana Fight! begin. So I'm sitting here with uh, Dr. Rodney Dorsey from Indiana University. Hello, Dr. Dorsey. How's it going, Don? It's going great. Great. And uh, special thanks to George Quinlan Jr. for giving us a space here today to record in in what looks like the George Quinlan Sr. boardroom here. So it's great. It's a great space. Oh, there's lots, lots of history here afterwards. And and you have my permission to take something. It's not... (laughs) It's not my it's not my house. Yeah, I'll um, go over like a lead balloon. I'm sure. <laughs> so I know I gave you some prepared questions ahead sure. of time, but I actually want to throw something else at you. Sure. Because um, I'm sitting in a Starbucks this morning, kind of prepping a little more, and I'm scrolling through your Facebook feed. The kids today call that <laughs> creeping. But what I wrote down on that, and what I'd love you to start with, if you wouldn't mind, is that I'm going through your Facebook feed and loving it, and it looks like an absolute celebration of, of friendships and connections and i mean it just it just looks like you're everywhere and you've met everyone and everyone's happy and and there's some great things going on i mean tell me about that where you know i guess life has taken you music has taken you and maybe just some of these friendships connections yeah well i it it's very funny i if someone had told me you know, way back when I started, maybe in music ed major, started in band, that you're going to be teaching at Indiana University, I probably would have laughed. So it, it my my journey actually started. I mean, I started clarinet in fourth grade, and I didn't start at the beginning of the year. I started halfway through the year. Okay. My school was uh, K through twelve. I went to the University of Florida's laboratory school. They called them at the time. And my friends were getting out of class to do band. And I told my mom I wanted to play an instrument. But but this social thing got me more serious about it and with more urgency. So, you know, I started playing clarinet in uh, fourth grade, grew up in Florida, and, um, and really never left band. So I, the, thing I, the thing I like about social media is you can – you can keep up with friends, former students, um, and just kind of see what they're doing and see how they are. And, and I am, I am just as proud of former high school students of mine who are not music majors as I am of the ones that have gone in the music. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, the ones that are medical doctors and all, I'm, I'm just as proud of them as I am you know, the high school band director who was in my group. So, you know, my feed is, is, is kind of, it's less about look at me and what I'm doing as it is about, man, look at, you know, look at, look at what this, this student is, is doing or this former colleague. And so that's what it's, that's what it's all about really. And that's what I took from it too, Mm -hmm. is that there wasn't, there wasn't a lot of look what I did today. Yeah. I don't think there was any of that. No. There wasn't any yeah, of look yeah. what I did today or yeah. guess what? I get to conduct the Indiana <laughs> University band. You know, no, and it, no one would blame you yeah. if that was up there. Yeah. But that was just cool. It's like post after post yeah. after post. Hmm. Um, I'd say there was a ratio. It was like six posts about somebody else and then mm-hmm. one post about a wine tasting. Or something <laughs> like that. Yeah, that was when I was in Oregon. That yeah, was <laughs> that was nice. <laughs> It was really great living out there, yeah. So if we can go back um, sure. and talk a little bit then about this, those those timeline bio things from mm-hmm. the beginning. You grew up in Florida. You start band mm-hmm. about halfway through the year, you were Halfway saying? through fourth grade. Okay. Uh, my school, I forgot to tell you, was K yeah. through 12. Yeah, yeah. So I am what they call a lifer. Okay. K through 12. And actually, a small handful of people I graduated with, I actually went to nursery school with. Oh, my goodness. So <laughs> it's pretty funny. So... um you know, I, I did that. And growing up, since I grew up in Gainesville, University of Florida was there. So literally, I always thought, oh, I'll just go to the University of Florida. It's right here in town. Um, no problem. Until one summer, I went to summer music camp at Florida State. And if you know anything about 
Florida rivalries. Mm -hmm. Florida and Florida State is huge. Okay. So from birth until the summer before my senior year, I was conditioned to think everything about Florida State was terrible. <laughs> FSU songs is terrible. This is bad. Yeah. Bad. So I go to music camp there and I go, this, this is, I think this is a good school. <laughs> and so I go back to Gainesville and, and I knew a lot of students at the University of Florida because I took uh, lessons from the clarinet teacher there. And so I got them away from their other friends and I said, yeah, can you, is Florida State a good school? And they're like, yes, yeah, a good school. Okay, thank you. That's all I need. <laughs> I, I, I won't quote you. So I, I wound up going to Florida State and um, it was familiar in that my dad grew up in Tallahassee. So we had gone to Tallahassee a number of times to see relatives. My mom graduated from Florida A&M University in Tallahassee. So Tallahassee was familiar enough. Okay. It was far enough away from home that I was away from home, sure. two and a half hours away. But if anything horrible happened, I could get home quickly or my folks could get to me. So that's where I did my uh, undergrad. And it was perfect timing. Uh, it was good for me to be at Florida State at that time. Uh, the director of bands at the time was uh, Jim Croft. And Dr. Croft, if if he walked in here right now, you would feel like you've known him your whole life okay. within 15, 20 seconds. And just very charismatic, wonderful musician. So I learned a ton from him. And my freshman clarinet teacher was Fred Ormond. And life is very funny because Fred Ormond was there my freshman year. He left to go teach at the University of Michigan my sophomore year. And Frank Kowalski came. And who? And when I went to interview at the University of Michigan, Fred Ormond was in the room <laughs> for my interview. And then the next year he retired. So I told him I would not move to Kansas City because he would have to leave yeah. again. <laughs> but um, it was just a great place for me to be at the time. And the school's grown so much now. Um, I barely recognize it. So I was there for five years. And then my first job, uh, high school teaching job, was at Rickards High School in Tallahassee. I taught there for three years. Uh, left there, did a master's at Northwestern in 91, 92 with, uh, John Painter. And, um, what did I, oh, after that, I went to teach, uh, in Georgia okay. for a year. And then a new high school opened up in Florida, could be closer to home, went back to Lakeland, Florida, taught at George Jenkins High School. And then from there, did the whole college thing after that. You know, it's funny, whenever I lay out where I've taught, it almost sounds like I can't hold a job. <laughs> that's why I stopped it. Well, then now I'm teaching college. Yeah. But is that, that's kind of the typical trajectory for someone that has their eyes on a college position, correct? That, that's, yes, it, okay. it is. You know, get some experience teaching high school. Um, and there's a couple of ways in the college, uh, teaching area. And one of them I did, I started doing athletic bands first, okay. or you could be a director of bands at a smaller school. Or if you're really lucky, you can get a sweet spot job at a big school where you're, you're an associate director okay. and you don't have athletic band responsibilities or director of bands, administrative responsibilities. That's kind of that's nice. Sure. <laughs> and I'm sure, you know, from people I've talked to that love the athletic director mm -hmm. thing, they love it. But the time yes, a lot of time. is insane. Yeah. Right. And you're, yeah. you're kind of the face of the band program. And I'm sure you maybe, are, you know, yes, you director are. of bands might like. Not, no, I hear that sometimes, but I'm sure they understand it. Too. No, it, it you you talk to people and you go, um, oh, I work at the University of Michigan. Oh, the Michigan Marching Band, we yeah. love, it. and and awesome, yeah. great. I mean, more people will see marching bands in one Saturday than we'll see my group in in a number of years. Yeah, yeah. and you know, it's great. So if we can skip back a little bit, just, sure. this is just to make me feel better. Mm -hmm. Your first job. <laughs> yes. Is there anything crazy that kind of happened or some surprises your first two or three years in that job that, you know, because again, when we talk to people today, like, you know, they yeah. got it together. At least that's what it looks like. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I think all of us at some point, if you can go back and, and you look, mm -hmm. you're like, holy cow, I can't believe that happened. You know, I, my general attitude is I feel feel like I would like to go back to all the students that were in my band my first year and apologize <laughs> to them. 
I, I do. I mean, you, I think, you know, us higher ed people, I think we, we educate teachers to the point where we hope they do no harm. Okay. Uh, my wife is a nurse. So in, she worked with a spine surgeon here in the Chicago area for 20 some odd years. And I think about how much time it takes for someone to be a doctor, mm-hmm. you know, pre-med, med school, um, internship, fellowships. It takes years. And I was in school for five years to be a band director. Yeah. It's not enough time. So I, I, you're trying to figure out how how to teach you're trying to figure out how to relate to and get to know high school students that are actually your students when you student teach you you're borrowing a band and i was very lucky man when i student taught i got to do a lot but it was terry patishall's program so um you're you're trying to figure out everything and the, the biggest surprises to me when i started was not all of my students were in band because they love music. Yeah. And I, I was just floored by that. You know, if, if you can't play your part, I help you devise strategies to practice it. But day after day after day, you still can't play it. And I, I think it's because you're not practicing. Sure. So then, then you start digging. Well, if you're not practicing, am I not motivating you enough to practice? And then it's, well, well, my mom's making me be in band. Oh, okay. I, I really wasn't prepared for that. So then you have to figure out, okay, where, where can I meet the student where they are to take them where I want them to be? Um, and so that was, that was shocking to me when I, when I first started. Um, the, one of the biggest surprises was I'll never forget this. One of my students uh, comes up to me and says, "Hey, Mr. Dorsey, uh, when are we gonna? Li- when when are the buses leaving for the football game next week?" I hadn't ordered buses. <laughs> <laughs> totally hadn't ordered buses. I I I went. I don't know, Don. I'll let you know. And I went, "Oh my God!" Because all of our um, we didn't have a home, a stadium on our campus. It yeah. was a, you know, we it wasn't far, but still, we had to bus. Hadn't ordered buses. Thank God I didn't I didn't miss and whiff so bad that yeah. it's all right, everybody have your parents drop you off at the stadium. <laughs> but that was that was one and early on that I thought, oh no. And it's almost never musical no. things, right? You're exactly right. <laughs> you know, and I'm glad you mentioned that because in addition to the, you know, kids in band for all sorts of reasons. I was also shocked at how much of my day was non-musical, totally non-musical. At least when the bell rang and I took roll and we started playing, it was literally like, okay, I feel like I can do this. Sure. (laughs) And you're right. I was, I was shocked. Did that shift as you went along and you got, and, and you prioritized it and maybe you put more time towards, towards the music or did the time stay the same and you just got better at those parts and, and became more efficient? I think it's a little of both. Okay. You know, you just get, you just, you get better at, okay, do, do I really need to be the person that takes the role? I know I'm, I know I'm ultimately responsible for it, but can this student at least take role? Or as I get to know my students better, can I just go, who's not here? Bing, bing, bing. Sure. You know, but, but first it was, Don is Don here? Okay, next, but yeah, but man, uh, time's precious. Sure. So, yeah. What can we do as as you know? If I host a student teacher, if you're preparing teachers, what do you think we could add to the program to maybe help hmm. those kids? Is you know, do we do a surprise a day? Do we, you know, and you don't want to put anybody in a bad situation, oh. but you know, do you do something like you know hypothetical situations? It, that might be a thing. You know, based on your experience, things you've experienced along the way, um, you know, uh, yeah, I remember first year I forgot to order buses mm-hmm. and, you know, who, who do you go to for, so, you know, maybe a scenario. Sure. Okay. We're going to take a trip next week. You're going to order the buses and that's all you tell them. And yeah. they have to figure out, well, who does that? Is it a person <laughs> that what? Yeah. Because whenever you change jobs at any level, that's the stuff that is the steep learning curve. Yeah. 
who who does that my last school this person did programs who does it now who's the bookkeeper here and how does that work so i was fortunate in that i got to do a lot when i student taught okay. uh especially musically and i was really fortunate there were three bands at lake mary high school and i mean my first I met my, uh, my supervising teacher at our state convention and she goes, you're going to take the third band of festival. <laughs> yeah, okay. I think I know what that means, but, but you know, I did, I, she conducted one piece and I, I did um, two okay. and thank God she did sight reading. Cause we did, cause that was the first thing I'm like, please, no, no, I don't want to sight. no, 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 no. So she did, but let, you know, student teachers let them do a lot. And, um, Cause I, I, I taught high school for eight years and I only had one student teacher okay. and he was fantastic. And I did, I just, all right, Mike, yeah. go, go and do. So if we go to the, the college band director thing, mm-hmm. you know, one of the questions I gave you ahead of the time is what as a, maybe a middle school band director, or high school band director, you know, what do we not realize about the college band directing profession? Are there, are there any, any things there that might surprise us? I don't know. I, I guess surprise would be the political landscape okay. of higher ed. It's um, you would think you might have more control, but you actually have less. Okay. For instance, when I taught high school, I had, you know, as I, my, my last job, especially in Lakeland, you know, we had lists of private teachers and I could, ha- I had a big influence in that list. You know, hey, I, I think here, here's some people I think you should take lessons from. Or, you know, clarinet player comes in. Hey, I want to start taking lessons. Awesome. I think you should go to this person. You teach college. Your applied faculty is the applied faculty. Okay. <laughs> I, I mean, I've been really fortunate to work with great applied teachers. But if for some reason you're somewhere and you don't like the way the low brass sounds, and all those people are tenured. You can't. You can't do it. You know, I think you really should go take trombone lessons with. That's not. No, it's not going to work. It's just not. So, you know, there's that part of it. The other part is, I think sometimes the attitude is, well, you, you guys don't have to rehearse. They can just it's just sure. a, immediately phenomenal. No, we have to rehearse. We just have less time. Yeah, we have less time to rehearse. And, um, you know, students may or may not be, quote unquote, into band. Mm -hmm. They might think, well, I'm going to be an orchestral musician. Why do I have to play in band? Um, So I'm really happy to hear so many students at at IU that have played in the wind ensemble say when I ask them what their career goal is, they'll go. A lot of them will say, I just want to make a living playing my instrument. Mm -hmm. And I think that's awesome because that. I hear an openness in that response. I don't, because my, for my career goal at one point, I wanted to be a principal clarinet player in the Chicago symphony. Okay. Okay. When would I have even had a chance to audition for that job? Well, when Larry Combs retired and how many other people would have, you know, applied. So they're being more open. You know, I want to play in a symphony orchestra or a service band or military band. Awesome. Good. So they're being they're being open mm-hmm. to that, I think. Okay. And then, you know, kind of keeping on with the this college band thing, uh <laughs> what's the you know, my, my question all the time is is of course with that, what is the role of the college band beyond what we assume? You know, we assume that as you're saying, we want them to be lifelong musicians you know maybe you've got some kids that are adults i should say in the Mm -hmm. school of business or medical majors pre-med something like that you know in in kind of today's world Mm -hmm. what's that what's that role what's the college band doing what should it be doing you know i I, that was one of the questions you sent me and i i um one of the our former midwest board members david mccormick would always tell me Every time he saw me, well, you know, you guys playing at CBDNA and all your commissions and stuff, those non-major bands are where you really should, should spend your time and effort. And you think about it, he's got a point. Okay. For instance, my alma mater, Florida State, did a, um, 
they did a renovation of their concert hall a number of years ago. So they sent out this pamphlet of all these giving opportunities. And I'm looking at all the levels and I'm, I'd love to, but yeah, no, I can't yeah. afford any of this. But if you look at a march, any college marching band, which is mostly non-majors, engineering, pre-law people, pre-med, all of these careers where they're going to go out in the private sector and business and really make money and have a huge influence that way. They're the ones that are going to be able to afford to drop a few hundred thousand dollars or a mil- millions of dollars. And it's not that it's not that all we want to do is cultivate future donors. Sure. But we want to cultivate consumers of music and people who have still have a love for music and that will buy a season um, ticket subscription to the Chicago symphony or wherever they are, go to concerts and and still have a love for it. I think, I think that's where we want to make sure we're not shortchanging students. And I get that. And, and, you know, there's always part of me too. This is a separate discussion. Mm -hmm. Just wish band wasn't so expensive. Agreed. (laughs) I know. I, I know. I, I, yes. I, I, because I live in Bloomington now, I went to I went to DCI quarterfinals in Indianapolis and I went to Grand Nationals BOA because I, I hadn't seen live drum corps in about a decade. And, and I almost don't recognize the activity anymore. Sure. But that's a separate topic. And especially at Grand Nationals, every group that came through the tunnel, I looked and the first thing I thought was, how much does this cost? Just from physically what I saw, not to mention design and staffs, but I I understand that there are programs who do that well and they have a balanced program. I mean, phenomenal jazz bands, chamber music, and and a lot of some of those programs, music is strong, not just band. But... um, I think for the money that they're spending on marching band from everything that's involved in it, they could bring in the entire applied faculty of pick your university for a month and still have money left over and pay them their salary. (laughs) They could it. I, I, it's a little bit, it's just a little bit frightening because my, my wife and I think, you know, man, if it cost X amount to be in band, I may not have been in band when I was in yeah. high school. So hopefully people, if they charge that much, they're offering a way to offset it through fundraising. But I hated fundraising when I was a kid. Yeah. I hated it. Oh, we're going to sell band candles. Yeah, mom, can you take this to get? I, I, I hated that stuff. I was not the kid who's like, hi, uh, Mr. Stinson, my name's Rodney Dor. I, uh, I hated that. So um, it, it's expensive enough to have a good instrument. Yeah. Or if you're a clarinet player like I was, to consistently buy reeds and not have them work. So, yeah. So hopefully there's a way to. And and I don't know I don't know what that way is, yeah. but but hopefully there's an awareness when it starts to get to the point that oh man this is should we really charge this much? Yeah. And if we do, if there are people that don't participate, how can we include them? Well, what okay if you can't do marching band, you can still play in concert bands and your band fees only you know your rental charge sure, for your instrument sure. or a, a, a uniform fee but yeah it's it's pretty crazy my district's very supportive it's a low-income title one school district mm-hmm. and 75 percent of the kids in our program use a school-owned instrument oh great which is wonderful mm-hmm. thank you joliet district 204 yes. then becomes the problem of you know one of our things is we want the kids to play forever Mm-hmm. And then right after graduation, they drop their instrument off. And I just pray that I know we've influenced them enough to go save up money for an I instrument know. to go. Yeah. And then life hits and, uh, build, you know, yeah. Yeah. And, and it's at some point, I guess you ask yourself, how much control do we have? Sure. How much influence? Yeah. You know, so I, again, I appreciative agree. for my school for that. 
here's the next thing. Like, I, I guess, as you were saying, you hope at least they buy a ticket to the CSO sure. or go see some community yeah. groups there. Or something. Well, and, and, and access, at least access to music now is so quick. Yeah. I mean, you know, in college, we like to say that, um, you know, you get your music, you've practiced it, you come in with your part learned and, you know, you listen to the listen to a recording. You know, there's a time when I had to actually walk to the store to buy a CD. Yeah. Now you and I can pick up our phones and have a recording of almost anything yeah. now. So hopefully if they don't keep playing that they continue to consume. Absolutely. Yeah. So let's kind of go what, you know, and talk about your ideas about maybe the evolution uh, mm -hmm. of the band. Cause it's, you know, we have concert bands, we have marching bands, we, we have our subsets of, sure. of that. Um, what, what's your opinion on maybe where we should go or current programs that are happening that we should foster to continue to evolve? Hmm. I think competition is good and bad. I mean, we live in a competitive society. Sure. So this emphasis on competition, maybe say an overemphasis on competition, I think has hurt us in a number of ways. Number one, if we're talking, even judging music is a little bit strange because it's almost like you're going to go downtown to the art institute and judge paintings which yeah. one's better <laughs> this one's a superior this one's a, a good um so in in an effort to have what we do be measurable i think us band directors there's an sometimes an overemphasis on objective aspects of performance is it together? Yes or no. Is it in tune? Yes or no. Um, is the articulation uniform? Yes or no. And once we check all those boxes, I think sometimes we think we're done. Okay. But we're not done. Um, where does the music go? What is the shape? Does it, does it have any kind of life? Does it have any kind of feeling? And those things, we know it when we hear it. But it's hard to quantify sometimes if, if, you know, if you and I are on a judging panel and we've got the sheet in front of us and it was and everything was subjective, that would be difficult. We have to have some of those things. But then, you know, we get to a certain point is the music is the performance going to move me. So I think when we were preparing and getting ready for all that maybe we could call it sometimes we teach to the test. Okay. We don't teach to the art. And, and one that, you know, you mentioned like my first job, I think I would expose my students to just more music, different kinds of music. Um, because, you know, I think we get into, well, this'll work well because it doesn't expose my weaknesses. So that'll do well sure. at, contest or whatever well if sometimes you just got to expose them that's how people get better that's how we get better if we do everything that's safe oh i can do this i i i can oh, i can i can i don't i'm not very good at mixed meter well do some mixed meter yeah <clears throat> so i think we can we can work on just being music teachers instead of band directors so well, what if, what if we did more, uh, what if we did more concerts? You know, what if we, what if students had less time to prepare? I'm, I, my high school students sandbagged all the time. When's the concert? Oh, it's, uh, August 1st. Okay, good. Got plenty of time. Yeah. And I've, within reason, I've always thought if you give students, if they have 20 rehearsals, you'll get a result. And if they have 12 rehearsals, I think the result is not that different. Okay. It's not, it wouldn't be that different. And I know what people are, are thinking and saying, well, of course you're at Indiana, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> no, no. I think, I think that human nature is the same at all levels. So, and that's from a realistic standpoint. Yeah. Obviously. You know, yeah. if you get one rehearsal, no, we're not going to. Exactly. You know, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, if we can kind of keep maybe talking about competition sure. a little bit mm -hmm. and, and not to challenge you on that mm -hmm. at all, 
But do you think that some of those things are different depending on cultural or socioeconomic background? And, and I say that from mm. growing up in a place where I, I was a free reduced lunch kid. Mm-hmm. We go to these band competitions and we do well. And at that point in my life, like it feels like we're legitimized. Sure. And I know that's not exactly what it is. Sure. You know, and, and many, many kids with much rougher situations than I had, mm-hmm. you know, but where does that come into play? Is that is that something that we need to start kind of looking at and educating the public maybe a little bit more that, mm. you know, we, we know that these competitions are important to you, but mm-hmm. we're trying to go maybe a more artistic route. Sure. We're trying to go a route of music for the sake of music. Yeah, I think I think it might. Some of it might be be and now i'm contradicting myself but that's okay performance I'll, I'll edit it out. <laughs> performance <laughs> it might be performance driven okay. in a way so for instance if you're a high school band director first or second week of second week of class if you're lucky you have to have your product in front of the public yeah. no other teacher on campus besides the football coaches cheerleading sponsor and you know anything else associated with a football game has to have their class modeling what they've been taught after a week yeah no one else does that so i think some of it is is up against a wall with performance okay man uh, oh man i have there was there's a student i'm thinking about right now my first job for whatever reason got out of middle school and couldn't read bass clef. He's a trombone player. Hmm. And I figured this out in the summer, but he was in marching band. He probably shouldn't have been in marching band because we we got a lot done in the summer, yeah. reading bass clef and all. But he probably could have had more help. But then there's this, well, I need every trombone player I can find. Yeah. Okay, let's go. <laughs> You know, couldn't read bass clef, and his his teeth were so close together when he played a a, a B flat on his trombone was almost like a, a a B natural. It was just so sharp. But I had him out there marching. Maybe that wasn't the best place for him, but I put him out there. So you know, if I back myself up, maybe it's it's a, a performance. Performance is is the problem sometimes okay but then you know later uh, earlier i said we should do more concerts yeah so <laughs> you know and i'm sorry i didn't want to paint you in a corner no no but, that, I, but as i'm thinking about it I'm, <laughs> no but you're it, it it's a it makes a lot of sense and i i, I do think that um and, and I, I, I've seen a lot of change in this since I graduated sure. with, you know, music education is where, you know, the whole comprehensive music education route. And I think that's great. I mean, uh, composing, I never did much of that, but elementary composing. Yeah, I should maybe I should have when I was a kid mm-hmm. or my students should have done that. And it might have sparked an interest that maybe was there but we didn't know yeah so yeah it's it's difficult it's it's difficult because i i do agree every community and every situation is different Mm -hmm. you may have inherited something that was just totally out of control and and every weekend the kids are on on the road or an all-day marching band camp or maybe you want you think these kids need something competitive as a goal to work towards. And if they're and however well they do, we get feedback from outside people saying, this is what you need to do Mm -hmm. to get better. And there's a standard to work towards where maybe there wasn't one before. Um, So it's complicated. Yeah. (laughs) It's just, it's just complicated. Well, and you know, as you said, every community is, is unique, Mm -hmm. you know, um, with those things. But at the same time, we all, have musicians there yes. and can be connected in that sense. Yes. And I know in the prep for this, every mm-hmm. single interview and, and, and uh, bio that I read on you, mm-hmm. it, the words connections, mm-hmm. bridging people together mm-hmm. was in there. Yeah. So would you mind elaborating on that sure. a little bit more? Maybe what you mean by that and maybe some examples too of just mm-hmm. some connections that you, you didn't 
think would happen or that maybe you look back on fondly? Sure. <clears throat> I think I think the amazing thing about what we do performing, groups of people performing any kind of music in any uh, venue, choral, orchestral, uh, instrumental band, is that there's groups of people working together towards a common goal with music involved. <clears throat> I was in, um, when I was an undergrad, I was in two, two fraternities, um, Kappa Kappa Psi band service fraternity and find me alpha. And I think the thing that, the thing that really separated those groups from others was, was and is music. There's music involved. We sang together. We played in groups together. So there's, there's, there's something about playing music with other people that has the capacity and potential, I think, to, to connect people. So you're working together through sound and you're, you're making this thing that exists in a different way when you're not playing the music's on the page. It does exist. It's a piece, but it, it, it doesn't exist in sound <clears throat> until you play it. So what I try to do is, um, is number one, make connections with individuals because, um, especially in college, I think it's, e it's easier for students to just kind of be, anonymous in an ensemble mm. and especially in a school as big as I teach in now I think it's really easy for those students to they can come in do their job do it well but the conductor really doesn't know who they are so um I actually I did this in a different way I, I stole the 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 idea of individual meetings from Mike Havecock at Michigan Okay. He does that with everyone who comes in the symphony band. He has a short meeting with them just to get to know him. He calls them, I think, his getting to know you meetings. Okay. And when I worked there, I didn't, I didn't do that, but I got to know students in my way because my office was down by the practice rooms. So just kind of going and coming in my day, I saw stu a lot of students. So I just, hey, Don, how you doing? Oh, God, I, what year are you in school? Oh, oh, you're you're a freshman. Where are you from? Just to kind of get to yeah, know. I see you going past the practice rooms, but not in the practice rooms, <laughs> Exactly. Room, Why, you're still sitting on this couch? <laughs> yeah, okay. So, uh, but when I, when I went to Oregon, I said, you know, I'm going to do this. Everybody's going to sign up for a time. I really don't. I don't require it, but I just tell them I want to get to know you better. And I find where they're from. Um, they play any other instruments, why they came to school um, here. What are their career goals? How can I help them achieve their career goals? And the last question I always ask them is, do they have any questions for me? So I just get to, I get to know people because um, I think that's important. And one of the things I had a great conversation. I love conversations with Ray Kramer because he's just so personable and such a warm human being. And one of the things he told me, uh, he was on campus this fall. He said, you know, I, I wanted to get to know the students in the wind ensemble as quickly as possible because there's five other orchestras. And a lot of those orchestras have guest conductors that come in, swoop in, say it, it's a professional model, which I get, yeah. but they probably, they don't get to know students. So he wanted to be able to call, see, see Don in the hall. Hey, Don, how are you doing? And call, call you by name. And that kind of reinforced this, this thought that, okay, I need to, I, I, I'm going to keep doing this. This is a good thing. So if, if, I can just get to know people. I think that's better because I, I believe that when, when a teacher, a conductor forgets that people, people are making the music, it's just all over. Mm. There's no chance for any connection at all. If, if you were just, I think you said you played trumpet. If yeah. you were just second trumpet, principal trumpet, and I don't know anything about you and, and don't make an effort to interact with you at all. I, th I think that's a problem. Yeah. You know, I mean, we're not professional conductors. We don't just swoop in and do, you know, three, three rehearsals with a CSO and, and three concerts and we're out. I mean, we're, 
we're teachers. And and this connection thing, it's a little bit harder to build in college because people aren't hanging out in the band room yeah. before school, during lunch, after school, go home. I'm locking up. You got to leave. It's different. So if if I can just spend 15 minutes with them and just talk with them and and then, you know, I, I take notes and try to remember something about them. So I think the teacher to student connection is the first one I want to make. And hopefully in this music making process, they can work together because I, I try to approach full band like chamber music. And because I believe students, especially college students, when they're playing chamber music, their ears are engaged and they're totally responsible. There isn't this conductor person telling them what to do. I want them to listen to each other. And I'm never offended if, you know, the flute player has a soul has passing off a solo with the oboe player. If the flute player is looking over at the oboe player and the oboe player is looking at them, I don't care. <laughs> I'm not one of these people. You should be looking at me. So I don't care <laughs> if it sounds if it sounds great and that connection's great. And and, you know, I, I mean, here's a great example of this. Last night, there was this uh, Northwestern uh, SWE 50 uh, concert. And there was someone in the brass section. I think it was maybe a euphonium player that had a solo last night. And they finished their solo. And the euphonium player to their left just nodded at him. And, man, that sounds great. And one of the bass trombone players looked over. Man, that was awesome. I, that's what I'm talking okay. about. That That's, I, that's wow. It's nice sometimes to see some yeah. happy faces because, you know, no one know. smiled before like 1940. I know. Like pictures I, yeah, it, it was a different time, man. Different time. Very, very cool. Yeah. So, um, you know, a few more questions mm-hmm. here, too. Um, you know, as we're as we're kind of looking at, at closing up here soon. But, sure. Um, music recommendations just to kind of help our audience mm. a little bit. Sure. And and I know everyone has their their favorites and their fa- favorites for a reason. But are there any maybe um, lesser known or lesser performed either composers mm. or compositions that you mm. might be able to to recommend oh, to man. somebody? You know, to either perform or listen to. Sure. Uh, there's a piece that. I do with honor bands, uh, sketches on a Tudor Psalm, Fisher Tull. Yeah. And it's not, it's not played a lot. Um, I did it with my high school band and it was really great. Another piece someone told me about, it's a gentleman in Florida, uh, Joseph Krinus. Okay. He does a lot of orchestral transcriptions for band. He told me about this piece once. He said, there's this piece I think you ought to do. Okay. Theme and Fantasia by Armin Russell. Oh, okay. So I, I found, I found the parts. Thank goodness it was still in print. Um, and man, we played it and it was, it was really, it's a great piece. It's different. Um, it, it, it's not, it's not a 12 tone piece, but it, it starts out with these long extended, uh, whole note pitches and, um, takes those pitches and varies it throughout the piece. And, um, so that was, that was great. I was, I'm also thinking of just some, just some composers that I think people should know about. And these are people who are new and out there. Um, Anthony Barfield is a composer. He's out of New York. He, and he's really, really interesting. He is, he went to Juilliard to study trombone and he just dabbled in composing in school. He did, he didn't, you know, he didn't go to Juilliard to study composition. He was in Joe Lessie studios, a trombonist. So he, on the side, he's just kind of, man, this composing thing's really neat. And uh, there's a piece I, I really love. It's called um, here. We rest okay. that actually started out as a trombone choir piece dedicated to uh victims of a tornado that went through Alabama. Um, and he, he arranged it for full band and it's just beautiful, really nice, um, solos for various students. And, um, there's another composer who I, I like a lot is, um, Andrea Reichmeyer. Um, she actually commissioned a piece for us at uh, the university of Oregon. Uh, she's an Oregon grad and I met her at the university of Michigan. And, um, the, the, 
you know, we we go back to thinking about expense and the thing now with self-publishing composers. Sometimes their music is expensive <laughs> as we as we go back to this whole uh, oh, how much does it cost to be in band? I, I it's either rental or it's expensive. Yeah. But, you know, the, the first two are not rental and I believe they're still published. They're still in print. And um, Andrea did a piece called Dos Donzos, which is it's, it's difficult, but it's, it's pretty cool. Mm. But um, once again, you know, with the Internet, there's so much access to to music yeah. to just. You know, I mention a name and you can just go online and there's a PDF score. You can listen to it and you can pretty much you don't. I remember back in the day we had to wait for the albums to come from (laughs) Carl Fisher or whoever. And um, there's a lot more access and students have a lot of access to composers now. You know, I mean, students have a question about a piece. They just, oh, let me just send John Mackey an email. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I didn't didn't do that when I was in high school. So those are some things I can think of right now. Thank you. Yeah. Well, to close out, um, you know, you, you, uh, have had of, of course a a great career so far and I know we'll continue to, (laughs) not that you need the vote of confidence for me. No. Um, but you know, what are maybe some goals that you have Hmm. personal, professional things with the, the, the music department there, maybe some bucket list items Mm -hmm. that you'd be comfortable sharing, man. I, I think the first, the first things that come to mind are just pieces that I haven't done. Um, sometimes I feel like I'm behind. <laughs> I'm just so far behind. You know, well, have you, have you done this piece? No, I haven't. No, no, I haven't done it yet. And either just because either it hasn't been the right time or the right group or, yeah, where am I going to find, you know, this many heart players? <laughs> um <laughs> I mean, there was a piece last night. There's a Prokofiev piece. It had four pianos and four harps. <laughs> In addition to the full band. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, but I think so there, there's some pieces that I wanted, I want to do. Um, and it, this is, this is very funny. We found out, uh, maybe it was last week that the concert band at IU is going to be playing at a, division uh, cbdna conference at depaul next spring so now uh the last regional our symphonic band played the second band now the concert band's gonna play this so i told somebody i'm like well okay now the pressure's on now i now i gotta play at a convention (laughs) so you know to continue getting the group off campus in appropriate ways that that makes sense for them and and somehow putting putting my own stamp on the organization okay. i mean it's it's in great shape uh, there were i mean there're fantastic people that have been the director of the wind ensemble at iu and steve pratt still comes to concerts we just we just opened a new marching band hall it's named after ray kramer as it should be and um how do, you know how do i how do I teach in a way that positively influences the students that come through that group? Mm -hmm. Because one of the things that having these meetings has done, which I, I, I didn't think would be a byproduct, especially with the students at IU, every, every student I talked to, I felt a larger responsibility to them individually. Mm. And, and the 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 next person who would tell me about oh some festival that they went to or where they had been for their undergrad and yeah I was in the Eastman Wind Ensemble last year and you you feel more of a responsibility to them not that not that I feel a huge responsibility to Steve Pratt or Ray Kramer but in in a way I do but that student sitting out in front of me man, you, you are really outstanding. I can't get in your way. Yeah. (laughs) I don't want to, I want to create an atmosphere here where you can flourish. 
where you're not dreading coming in the door every day. You don't feel like your time is being wasted. You don't feel like your talents being wasted and you don't feel like your humanity is being wasted. So, I mean, and, and that takes time. And, um, and man, it was my first year. It was a very good year. But, you know, it takes time to live through successive years and students and, and get more entrenched there. So I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. It's not, you know, super specific. There are specific things like we want to do a conducting workshop. I want to get that going. Those are tangible things. But then there's the, the long haul of, you know, what's the influence? I mean, last night I went to this concert. There were almost 200 musicians who came back to play on this alumni mm-hmm. concert at Northwestern. And you, and, it was like a four hour concert. Oh my gosh. Right? <laughs> Three hours, 45 minutes. It, and it was just, it just, it was just great, 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 great. So you, you think about that and you think, okay, these people are training. A lot of them are training to be orchestral musicians. You're looking at that list and these are people from the New York Philharmonic, Boston Symphony, San Francisco Symphony, who took the time to come back for a reunion, a band reunion. Yeah. So, you know, I want I want to have a an atmosphere and an experience that people feel good about that, man, you know, oh, you uh, you're playing at, at this place. You want me to be a soloist? Oh, I'd love to do that because I had such a great experience in, in wind ensemble at IU that I want to give back in that way. And so I think that's kind of the long term sure. thing that, that just boils down to a daily mantra of just treat people well i think that's a great place to end there thanks great great quote to end on there so Mm. well hey i appreciate your time dr Mm. dorsey and for coming out here no problem it's great uh, i know this will be an episode a lot of people will get a lot of great things from so hope so thank you very much thank you